listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. We're stepping into a uh, new series entitled Follow Me, and uh, that QR code that's behind me will give you access every single week to all of our preaching notes. This is something designed so that you can take it home. I believe that God speaks to us as a church and, and the way that we do it. I'm not looking to wow you with any you know, special sermon series. I just pray about, God, what's the theme for this season? What are you wanting to speak to your people? And in the process, we come up with a conversation and the conversation over the next weeks and, and really into this year will be concepts about following Jesus. And so my hope is that not only will you listen to the message, but you'll add portions of the message that resonate with you in your prayer time, have a conversation with your children or your spouse or, or your small group, and don't allow what is said on Sunday just to be a sermon, because what it should be is an ongoing conversation over your life, amen? And so we're gonna look at Matthew chapter number 19, uh, verse number 21. And uh, I'm trying to make my technology, I, I think I'm, it's, the technology issue is on my end, believe it or not, usually. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 21 to 22, Jesus said to him, come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he actually went away sorrowful. And so today specifically, I want to talk to you about a less than maybe book worthy sermon. Not going to do many revivals on this topic, but the idea of the burn of leaving something as you turn to follow Jesus. And the invitation to follow Jesus is not just a one step, it's not just a one moment, it's a lifetime invitation. And so with every step you take to follow Jesus, there are things that you leave. And there can be at times an actual burn. You know, you know what I'm talking about, a burn? Like when there's like, Argh. you know, George Bailey, He's like spent his life stuck at home taking care of his dad's business. All of his friends have gone off to college and finally they're coming back and he's gonna get to escape this type of life and go off and follow planes and trains and automobiles and he's gonna build skyscrapers and there's Mary Hatch in front of him and she's in love with him and he's in love with her but he's fighting it and he says to her, I don't want anything to do with basements or foundations or plastics. I wanna do what I wanna do. I wanna do what I want. Oh, oh, Mary, Mary. And he, some of you are like, what, what on earth are you doing? Are you psychotic? It's a wonderful life, people. You should have watched that five times during the holidays. But there's that burn of there's what I want to follow and then Jesus invites me to follow. And there can be an internal struggle with that. In fact, if there is, that's called discipleship, all right? And so I wanna to talk to you about that today. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for our opportunity to gather together as church family. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to have so many people speak into our lives, a wonderful team out in the lobby that embraces us as we come in and serves us with uh, refreshments and prays with us when we need it, our children's workers that welcome our children and, and our children have a wonderful experience and discover Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all the people that make this possible. But Lord, we've gathered to meet ultimately with you. If, you, if we don't meet with you, it's, it's really not what it's intended to be. And so Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. We know that you have a message to speak to all of us individually 
and corporately as a body, and it's along these lines. And so, Lord, allow my words to disappear, but Holy Spirit, you be the one that declares truth because you're able to supernaturally apply the message to each listener, either here in the room or online, to be able to take their next steps in you and do it in a way that is smooth and, and um, aggressive and yet confident and humble and on point at the same time. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. It is supernatural. We embrace it. Thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. You could be seated. High five the person next to you. And we'll just continue to jump in uh, to this series. Um, you know, the primary message of the New Testament as you read it is this message of follow me. Sweetheart, do, we have a, do you have a cough drop that I could steal from you? Do you not have one? I put her on the spot. Sweetheart, do you not have a metric wrench size number eight millimeter? I need to be able to adjust the pulpit here. Um, if you have a cough drop, that would be awesome. I have a small tickle in my throat. Oh, look at this. Sweetheart, this is... Do you have, do you have one of the menthol ones in there? This is like... It's, <laughs> thank you very much, Jen Davenport, for this cough drop. If we don't have any, oh, any others, we're, I'm, I'm taking cough drops today. <laughs> it's like, I'll walk in next week, I'll go to preach, and I'll be looking out, and the pockets will be bulging with cough drops, and I won't have a, uh, a thing going on in my throat. Uh, the primary message of the New Testament is Jesus saying, follow me. There's a lot of other teaching, but all of the teaching that appears there really is in support of what following looks like and what happens if you don't follow and what happens if you do follow. And so if you really want to know what is God saying to your life, if you don't know the will of God, I could tell you guaranteed for everyone in this room, regardless of what age you are, what, what your country of origin is, or what your economic position is, it's following Jesus. That's the invitation. That's, how, that's what being a Christian is. Christianity is not believing in God. That falls way short of the New Testament. And it's not a works message, but if you experience that invitation, your response is to follow. And so following Jesus is what Christianity looks like. And we see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus walks by a tax collector named Matthew and invites him to come and follow. And in that verse, what is so, so significant, so profound to me, it's not a church setting. It's not the synagogue. It's not a religious gathering on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee. This is a guy who's at work. And in the process of being at work, God is still able to speak to him. And Jesus says, come and follow. And right there in the middle of work, he stands up, he walks away from his workstation, and he begins to follow Jesus. Now, as he does, as the Bible says, he rose and he followed him, he left that moment with the first step. He left behind a workstation but again, that's an everyday invitation for the rest of your life. And so with the first step, he left his desk, but every step led to the next step. Now, Matthew's invitation to follow looks significantly different than anybody else's invitation. What you have to understand is that the journey that God has for me in following him is different than the journey that Corey experiences on a day-to-day -day basis, or different than David Chait or different than Jay Hofer. And that doesn't diminish or, or exaggerate anybody else's journey, but when he calls me to follow, he's called me to follow him from where I am at right now and on through my life step at a time. And so Jesus invites everyone else to follow, 
but those journeys all look different, and they continue, Jesus continues to make this invitation today. This isn't just a while Jesus is living message. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to grab your attention with what his son has done for you and invite you to come and follow. And so again, that invitation looks different. That invitation is happening right now in this room. That invitation is happening all around this world. Right now, the Spirit's primary job is to invite people to come and follow the one that he's revealing to them, and his name is Jesus. And so we continue to participate in this mission. We have altar calls every week, most weeks, like we did this morning. Part of today, the altar time, to pray for the people who were up in the front was to help make their following journey easier. Because sometimes the next step is contended. It's not you saying, oh, I don't want to take the next step. It could be that in trying to take the next step, the enemy who's come to steal, kill, and destroy is pushing back to keep you from taking that next breakthrough step. And so even an altar call, even the preaching of the word is to help people to take the next step. Uh, when we do water baptisms, which we'll do at the end of this month, you've said yes to following Jesus, you've renewed your commitment to him, and you've, and you've yet to be water baptized, the will of God is for you to take that step. It is more than just getting wet. It's more than just being in front of people. It's like a wedding ceremony where you are declaring your love for God and your commitment with him. And I expect supernatural things will happen that morning in your life that wouldn't otherwise happen if you decided, well, it's just, you know, I don't need to get up in front of people. Yeah, you do. You need to declare openly, I have decided to follow Jesus. And we try to provide other classes and all sorts of different ministry. And again, Jenny's teaching uh, the following Jesus class coming up. She's an excellent teacher. And the, the material that we use for beginners in following Jesus is very valuable. It's a book and some additional teaching that we do. So get signed up for that for sure. Now, as I've already said, following Jesus requires leaving something. And as Matthew was at his desk, he was invited to get up and take a step. I don't expect, although it might be nice to think about, that following Jesus is going to require you to stop working. And it certainly didn't require Matthew to stop working altogether. It required him to step out of his situation to follow Jesus. But there's likely co-workers that he worked with that continued to work in that spot and yet the invitation to follow was still there for them, but maybe not to leave work that day. And your journey is going to look different than everyone else's. And that journey is going to lead to some amazing destinations. <coughs> Excuse me. It's going to lead to incredible opportunities. It's going to lead to some supernatural moments that are just remarkable. It's going to lead to miraculous encounters with people, with God and circumstances, but following Jesus also is going to require leaving something. And sometimes that is less than joyous. You know, sometimes leaving is a celebration. And really, Matthew's job, when you research it, he made a lot of money, but it was like a bum rap for him because he was seen as an outcast from his people. And so leaving that job was also leaving being a social outcast. Think about Mary. When she followed Jesus, she left uh, demons behind. How nice to leave demons, amen? Lazarus followed and he left grave clothes and a tomb behind. Nice not to be dead anymore, right? How about the woman at the well? When she followed, she left 
a life of shame and stepped into being one of the most popular, influential people in all of Samaria that brought revival. How nice to leave that old life. And yet, <coughs> excuse me, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus, with our opening verse, says to a young man, to, uh, if you would be perfect, what I want you to leave is I want you to leave what you possess and I want you to give it to the poor and I want you to have treasure in heaven, so come and follow me. And the Bible says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now let me hit pause and let me address an issue here. The reason why Jesus invites this young man who is very wealthy to leave his possessions is because this young man did not have possessions, his possessions had him. There are many, 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 can I say many enough times, many people in scripture who were very wealthy and continued to follow Jesus. Lazarus, who was dead, who was extremely wealthy, who was able to throw town-wide banquets and it didn't even put a dent in his finances, at no time did Jesus require him to leave his money. You know, the journey that God has for you, when he invites you to step away from something, mark this down, he's always got a purposeful reason. And you need to understand that, that in leaving, there... <coughs> Sweetheart, can I just have my water? Thank you very much. Okay. Pause for a moment. Anybody else have a water in your pocket? No, okay. When Jesus asked this man, this young man, to leave whatever it was, he experienced something that many of us experience, that I've experienced many times in my life, a deep internal struggle because the invitation to take this next step is not one I'm celebrating. Anybody, you've ever been there. Like this next step to follow Jesus is actually hard. And then internally, there's usually some voices that are going around and around that get debated as I'm feeling the burn. And we look at this scripture and Jesus requiring him to walk away, take a step away from his money was not an indicator of what the future will hold. Because I've found, as we'll look at in scripture in a moment, oftentimes when God requires us to leave something, he actually pushes something back of greater value overall into our lives. But he wants to get our hearts aligned with him at, at first. But this burn is legitimate. Luke chapter 14, verse 27, it says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Everybody understands what the cross was used for. It was for death, sacrifice. And it's symbolic in our lives that there are gonna be moments where the next step is painful. It's you dying to yourself so that you can say yes to the next step in Jesus. Again, this is not going to sell a lot of uh, conference tapes or anything like that because it's not, woohoo, we win. But in truth, this is the steps to winning. This is such an important message because there will be moments when you face this burn, and I want you to see what it all is about. It's not just the, the physical burn, it's not just the soulish burn, the emotional burn, but that burn is a runway to God's very best things, and I want you to see that today. When we deal with that moment of burn, there's oftentimes, at least for me, maybe not you, you, I told you I hear voices, we deal with internal voices as we feel the burn. Thoughts go through my mind like, oh man, that sucks. I, I, I guess following Jesus is going to stink right now. 
Or is that just me? I mean, just think, if you were very, very wealthy and Jesus says, yeah, the way you can follow me is give all this away. That's a reality. He says, or some of the voices that I hear, I thought following Jesus was going to lead to my best life. This doesn't feel like my best life right now. Lord, I don't want to leave this. This is something I really, 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 really want. <coughs> you know what I'm talking about? Something that you're comfortable with. Maybe something that's not good for you, but it brings you comfort. This thing brings me comfort, Lord. This thing brings me satisfaction. This brings me security. This brings me enjoyment. This brings me pleasure. This is my identity. This is what I'm known for. This is my reputation. If I walk away from this, what will I really have? Lord, I can keep following you and still keep this. It's really not in the way. It's not that big of a deal. I'll just follow you and bring it along with me. Anybody? Lord, if you take this, I'm never going to have anything like this that's that good. This is the best I can ever expect. Lord, if you take this away from me, it's the only thing I've got. I basically have no life now. Sound like an emotional teenager or, or adult. Um, Lord, why are you picking on me? So-and-so has this in their life, and they haven't had to give it up. Lord, why me? And so the reality of that moment of being invited into the next step, you will hear this in your lifetime. There will be a real burn at times of following Jesus. I know for me, early on in my following of Jesus, there were some friends that had influence over me. And I didn't cancel them, but I understood that I could no longer walk with those friends who I enjoyed, had spent my teenage years with, but I can no longer continue on my relationships with them as I have because our relationships are all centered around harmful things and harmful environments that lead me away from Jesus, and I am unable in, with the strength I have to step into those environments and influence them. They're influencing me. And what's really hard is to look at some friends and say, I'm not going to be able to hang out during this season right? And you really want to be there. You have that fear of missing out. And yet to follow Jesus, that is at times what is required. Um, for me, there was, came a moment when I was in Bible college where I had a buddy whose mom had just gotten saved and it was exciting. And he was telling me that uh, one thing she was praying for, um, she was right after she, she began following Jesus, she started going to the nursing home to sing for the older people there who were um, basically, you know, in some cases waiting to die. And the Lord touched her heart and she really wanted to share the message of hope with people who were in the final days and years of their life, but she didn't have a guitar. And she was praying about having a guitar. And as he spoke those words, I had just gotten a brand new guitar. I had given away a guitar before that out of obedience, out of the burn, and God miraculously provided a better guitar. So now I get to keep this guitar. And as soon as he said those words, I got up and marched my way down to my bedroom. There's no sense arguing this one. I had argued the previous one and went in, grabbed my guitar, and went and put it on my friend's bed and had a conversation with him. He told me the next week, my mom just wants you to know she appreciated it. She was in at the convalescent home playing a guitar. her guitar. It was awesome. Now, that might seem like a small thing. It's probably a $250 guitar. But as a college student, that was the most valuable thing that I owned. 
Now, I will say this. I've owned more guitars than any one person should have. And I'm not even any good on a guitar, so there's that. So um, there was a time where God called us in this pursuit of following Jesus. And being a pastor, seeing lives changed. And hope settle on people's lives. And the masses of people coming to follow Jesus, where we had been blessed and we moved into a brand new house in Longview, Washington. And in the process of praying and seeking God after moving into this brand new house, God began to drop it in my heart that our season there at that church was coming to an end. And I had to have the conversation with my wife. This brand new house that we finally own, don't take everything out of a cardboard box yet because I think our season is coming to an end here. And I experienced the biblical weeping and gnashing of teeth. We both did because it just didn't make any sense. Why, why would God give us such a great thing and then ask for it? You know, and I'd love to tell you we moved from that house into, into something even better. No, we moved into a parsonage. That's a house behind the church, which means when the photocopier jams at four o'clock in the afternoon and you're eating dinner, whoever's at the church comes and knocks on your door and says, pastor, pastor, the photocopier's jammed because I am the God of the photocopier, of course. And the carpet in the house was literally 40 years old. 40, four zero. You know, and there was definitely a burn. There's a burn at times to following Jesus. There are moments when the next step is difficult. Anybody you're resonating, this, this like this, you're like, yeah. Where the thing that God wants you to do requires you to step up to the plate and lay something down. But that is all what the gospel is about. Jesus said, give me your entire life. Pick up your cross and come and follow me. Now again, so many of the steps you will take will be amazing. There'll be awesome destinations, moments of celebration, incredible victory, testimonies have finally come together, and yes, but much like going to the gym tomorrow morning, which I have every hope and dream to do, I promise you when I step into the gym from the very first jumping jack, there'll be torturous pain until about two-thirds of the way through. But the burn is what leads me to the better outcome. Can anybody say amen? So let me give you four things that I want you to consider when you feel the burn. You ready? Okay, let's do it. Number one, when I feel the burn, this is how I, I deal with it. Number one, <coughs> the, burn, uh, the burn leads to his better. You see, I have my plans and I have my ways and I have my thoughts and I have my destination all planned out. I'm basically my own internal GPS and this is how we're gonna do it and this is how it's gonna turn out and God usually has a better way. He actually has a better destination for me than I've ever dreamed, I just don't know what it is and so he begins to course correct and he begins to lead me a better way and because he's a good God who is generous that is above and beyond pouring into my life wanting good things for my life, I understand that those moments when things really burn, it's because he has something better. If I had gotten all of the things that I wanted, I would never experience the level of amazing goodness that he's poured into my life. I would have sold myself short. And though it hurts, when I feel the burn, I remind myself that this is what leads to something better. And I want to maintain a vision for what God has for me 
that will always cause me to believe that the reward of obeying him leads to something better, and anything that I lay down in sacrifice, he will do above and beyond that as I move forward. That is the step to your best life, is laying down less than best so that you, you cannot carry less than best into best. Does that make sense? You cannot grab onto this and also embrace that. You, you've got to set that down so that you can wrap your arms around this thing. And so when I feel the burn and I know it's God, it's, I remind myself that God has something better. Now look at Mark chapter 10, verse 29 through 30. This is an amazing portion of scripture. It speaks on a very earthly level. Because you're like, oh, I know God has better when we get to heaven. No, no, read this actually. It says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left a house. Hey, wait a second, I left a house. There's no one who has left a house, brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands, for my sake and for the gospel, who did not receive a hundredfold now in this time. And that is really true. I can tell you God has poured more into my life from an from a earthly measurement than I ever dreamed. Yeah. I had so little expectations, and God has done so much above and beyond what I ever dreamed that he would do. <clears throat> However, it does go on to say, um, along with those will come some persecutions and some challenges. And so all of the good things that I received down here on earth that he's poured extra into, how many of you know life is still challenging? The best things you still experience here on earth. Oh, I got a new house. Yeah, and the, and the bills are higher. And, and I got to cut the grass. There's more grass to cut now. And the tree fell over. And this is my dream. I've received my dream. And some challenges, right? That's, that's life. But he goes on to reiterate, and especially in the age to come, eternal life. In other words, there's also reward waiting for us in the heavens. Our burn today leads to his better here on earth. Your best life is when you lay down your agenda to follow after him. Amen. Amen? Okay, next thing that I understand for me is this burn brings me closer to him. There are times when we feel distant. There's times when we say, God, where have you gone? Father, I don't feel your presence. I wish I knew you better. And I could tell you that the burn of stepping into the next spot that you release something is the moment that you actually step closer into relationship with him. Um, he has suffered in every way that you will ever suffer in your lifetime. There's no person in this room who can all, ever always say to you, I know exactly what you're going through. There's no one in this room can really ever say that, ever. But Jesus is actually the one person who can. When you really study what he suffered on just about every single level, he he either experienced it or he was with people who experienced exactly what you're going through. Philippians reminds us that there are moments when we want, it, the Bible says in chapter three, verse 10, I wanna know him and the power of his resurrection, but it talks then about the fellowship of, <coughs> excuse me, his sufferings. There is a deep fellowship that happens between two people going through a similar difficulty. It's strange, two men who have been through war, different wars even, different ages, the deep bond that they experience. Two people who have been through divorce, there's a deep, there's a deep burn that, that they can uh, uh, not commiserate, but there's something that they both understand without even spoken words. The only person in this lifetime 
who will ever be able to truly walk with you in those deepest moments really is Jesus. And one of the things that I love about the burn I experience is that I know as I step into the burn, he is going to be closer than ever in those moments. In fact, his closeness tends to be a reward for me embracing the burn. And there's a number excuse me, of scriptures here that you could take a look at that would go ahead and reveal how close he gets to you. But I think you get the idea. That burn is going to bring him closer to you than anyone else. Because you can go and tell somebody, oh, you should hear about the sacrifice I just made for Jesus. And they'll be like, what? But you can look up at the Lord and you could say, Lord, I'm taking this step and this really hurts. This is not what I was expecting, but I'm gonna take it. And man, it's the distance between heaven shortens. And there's a closeness as you walk with him that is beautiful, that will strengthen you for the good times as well. Thirdly, the burn invites his, the supernatural. It's like a magnet. When you walk away from the natural plan of what you wanted to do in obedience, somehow all of the supernatural things that only God could do now come into play because you've said, God, I'm gonna trust you. We look all through the scripture and we see that obeying God is a partnership that leads you to a supernatural advantage in this lifetime. It pulls the, the, the limiting boundaries off of living and introduces favor that comes from heaven because you're in the spot that you're in because he invited you there. Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. Why? He was invited to. Now, you could step out on the water later today to try that out, but unless you're invited, the supernatural doesn't apply to you. But when you're invited, where he invites, he will definitely provide for. It's amazing. Take the time to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. I don't have everything that's there listed out, but I'll read a couple of the things. This is one of these chapters, even though it's in the Old Testament, it is so profound. It talks about obedience. If you will obey God, if you'll do the next step that he's inviting to you, you into, whether it requires faith or it's painful or it's sacrificing or it's doing something new, it says there, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. That's not something you can do on your own. That's a supernatural advantage. It goes on to say, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed shall be when you go into the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. You want to live downtown or you want to live in Ridgefield? You're going to be blessed. Do you understand what it means to be blessed? It means that there's something on you that God has put on you that rewards your life for your obedience. Disobedience is less about dealing with God being angry at you than it is about you Uh, having to face the aftermath of your own poor decisions. God doesn't need to judge you yet for your wrong decisions. Your wrong decisions will take you out to the woodshed and whip you. You rob a bank, you go to jail, right? Is that the judgment of God? That's the judgment of your own stupid decisions, right? And so when we see scripture here, there's a promise for blessing for obedience. It's because in this next step, this is where God's invited you and all of his provision is there. You'll be blessed in the field. How about this? Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, ladies, and the fruit of the ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. 
I know how, most of you don't have cattle. You don't. But regardless of where it is, you have a Roth IRA and you have a 401k. And I've just watched over and over as God's people have walked with supernatural advantage. They're able to step into a purchase and get a ridiculously good price. Or they list a piece of property for sale, and though the market's tanking, they end up walking away with more than asking price. I've watched that happen over and over. Why? Because there is a reward, supernatural reward for obedience in this lifetime. It goes on to talk about kneading bowls and all sorts of other things, um, which I think you could take a look at later on. So let me take you to the fourth and final point. Worship team is going to come. And I don't know what's going on with my throat. I'm not sick. I feel great. And yet, <clears throat> maybe it's the Lord. Maybe it's because I was yelling earlier. I got, I got all flexing. Let's do some spiritual battle. Maybe it's because you're hungry and you've prayed the will of God over me. Lord, let me be short today. I want to get over to Sizzler's. <laughs> Is there a Sizzlers anymore? Do they still have that? What is it? Longview still has one? Yeah, Longview still has a lot of stuff. <laughs> Let me give you the final one. And this is just, a, a, I love this. And stand with me, I'll just read this to you really quick. Um, the burn becomes my fragrant offering that I offer up to God. It's the sacrifice that I offer the Lord. It's the smell of me saying, no to myself and yes to you, and I offer the burn up just because I love you. After all, you burned first for me, and so I offer this up in return to burn for you. First Chronicles tells the story about David, the king, who wanted to offer the Lord an offering, and there was a landowner who found out about David's desire, and he told David, I'm gonna give you this piece of ground so that you can make your offering. I've got some cattle, we'll go ahead and I'll give those to you for the offering. And I've got some wood so that you can create this offering. You can build the fire. David says something fascinating that I think is so valuable. He says, no, but I will buy them from you for full price because I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor will I offer the Lord something that costs me nothing. For me to throw a $10 bill into the offering plate in this season of my life costs me nothing. $10, I can't even go out, I can't buy, I can't go to McDonald's for 10 bucks anymore. You can't. And so it doesn't really cost me anything, but sometimes taking the next step when it burns is an amazing offering. This is painful, Lord, this hurts deeply. It hurts more than money could. It hurts more than $100. It hurts more than $1,000. This is me saying no to something that I value, but you're saying is not the best for me. So leaving it, I'm gonna do so, and I'm gonna allow the burn to be a fragrant offering that ascends up to you. Be pleased with it. Anytime an offering was made in the Old Testament, the fragrance went up, it was very symbolic, but it was symbolic of sacrifice. Fragrance went up to the heavens, and the Bible talks about it getting into the nostrils of God. It's speaking symbol symbolically, but him being pleased with the sacrifice. And so when I feel that burn, Lord, I offer this up to you. And in my mind, it ascends to the heavens and God is pleased with the sacrifice that I've made. Philippians talks about a sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So I wanna challenge you this morning to position yourself. I'll bet you right now, you already feel the burn. You know why? 
Because for some of you in this room, you've been stuck where you're at for so long because the next step has been so obvious. It's been an ongoing conversation with God that it's been going on for some of you for decades. And you've been stunted in your spiritual growth. You know, I'm not impressed with how long you've served God. Nobody in this room is. You could serve him for 30, 40 years. What I'm always impressed with is ground taken. We've got some amazing young adults who are, have been serving God for less than a year who are like rock stars, taking next steps and next steps and next steps and growing in him sacrifices and honoring God and serving and learning to give and learning to serve. And that's always amazing. There could be somebody serving God for 30, 40 years, but not really serving God in a holding pattern, getting stale and moldy. But you, you know what your next step is. And probably the longer you wait, the more difficult it is. But my challenge for you is to say yes, begin to figure out how to take that next step. Now, for some of you, your next step, it can, you know what it is for you, but it's, it's really fairly simple because it's just been coming to you this, this week and the Spirit of God has been dealing with you, stirring in your heart to help you to take that next step, speaking to you about it. And so today's message is just really an affirmation that in taking this next step, though it will burn, it leads to better, right? It leads to better. It's, it's a fragrance that you're offering to him. It unlocks supernatural things over your life. You know that, okay, I'm gonna take this next step with confidence. So if any of you are on that level, I just wanna go ahead and pray for you. And we're gonna just pray really simply. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you that you invite us all to take that next step. And Lord, in the process of taking the next step today, making the decision, I commit myself to the next step. Lord, if it burns, We've talked about that, and I know what to allow that burden to build. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. I pray, God, that you will reward your people with the, the promises that we discover for the next step as we work through the burn. Lord, we want to honor you. We want to please you. Ultimately, we want to follow after you. You've got such great things for our lives. Lord, we say yes to you. I want you to say that with me right now. Lord, I say yes. Come on, let me hear it. Look at the person next to you and say, I say yes. There's something. I say yes. I say yes. There's some things at the beginning of this year I said yes to. They burned. They stunk. I didn't want to do them. But guess what? I'm doing them. Why? It leads to a better future that Jesus has for me. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 